Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice in the midst of the coronavirus from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. What's going on, boo-boo? Nothing. What's going on with you? It's day whatever of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Whatever Actually, so typically it's supposed to either, they're going to reassess today or tomorrow. So when this releases, Monday or Tuesday, is the end of the 15-day. Okay. Slow the spread. Man, I want to get back to corporate worship. Yeah, I, I miss, miss it. it. I miss I it miss so it. much, man. So, I miss seeing people. I mean, Trump today, whatever day we're recording, I don't know, the day 23rd, 24th, Trump was talking about wanting everything to be back by Easter. Yeah, we're actually we're actually hoping to launch worship services on Easter. We've been talking about that. Oh, I would uh, love that. I miss be, it so much, man. That'd be that'd be great. I know, man. I mean, what are you doing without my regular preaching? Yeah, man, no, you just I, gotta I, be starving. Listen to all them, you know, um, Osteen sermons or whatever you got. I, going. You know, I don't listen. I don't to know that. what you listen to. Come, I listen to you. No, okay. I listen to you. You don't really I, listen to me though. Well, I listen to your sermon. You, 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 you don't, but you don't hear me. No, yeah, oh no. <laughs> I listen to you, and then I always go and you know double check and see if uh, uh, if Barnabas has a sermon out there. I want to hear his, and mm-hmm. uh, I go check out maybe a few others. I, I like to I like to sermon around, I like to graze. Like, yeah, I like to go graze. I just like to go see just just a nibble, just put, a nibble. Like, uh, like you, you like to you think of preaching as like uh, like a golden corral. You know, you like to like, pick a little bit. Of, I get a little steak here, mm. you know, all the germs and everything. Yeah, Golden Corral. Uh, I don't think I've ever been in there. Yeah, uh, it's really gross, but I like it. I don't think I've ever been to Golden Corral. I think once when I was a teen or maybe even a kid, I don't know how old I was. What's the other one? Oh, I don't know. Darn, never well, mind. Golden Corral, if you guys don't know, Golden Corral is a giant buffet. And so they've got fish and steak and tacos and burgers. Maybe and all, that's the one. No. All kinds of stuff. It was like there was like a... Uh, uh, a wheelbarrow or barrel in front? Not a wheelbarrow, a barrel. It was like all know. wooden. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But the Golden Corral, like Jen gets sick thinking about it. She doesn't want to go there because everybody's like dropping their fingers in. So then why are you going? Looking. Because they got everything and the kids like it. But we won't, we actually went once or twice and Jen's like, we can't go back. It's too disgusting. She can't, why are you going? I just don't understand. Where, 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 is there even one around here? There used to be, it got closed down. Sanitary reasons? I don't know why. I, I, I mean, allegedly, <laughs> they found a human body or something. Stop. Don't even spread those kind of rumors. Allegedly. Allegedly. Really allegedly. We should uh, we should do something, man. Like, with all this lockup, like, yeah, what, yeah. what are you doing tonight? Um, Well, one would think, oh, I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home. Yeah, so we yeah. could, like, uh, do a little virtual, like, uh, hangout cigar thing. <clears throat> yeah, I've already got that scheduled. Uh, we're we're going to be on Zoom with... The Earls and the Hooses uh, playing a game. Well, <laughs> okay. First of all, I, I must have missed my invitation. That's fine. I'm sure it's in there. I will check my email. Yeah, um, I didn't set what it up. Are we, what are we playing? A- Allison set it up. Um, I, we're gonna play the game of things and some um, other games, whatever. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool game. Like you have a game. I have- could tune in though. I don't have to play. I can just tune in and no, like, crack wise. I could crack wise. No, that's my thing. Uh, I, my account only holds a certain number. I don't think that's true. No, no, I can only I'm pretty sure only up like, to about a hundred. Yeah, and you that's gotta, what I it's just one of those. Mm. There's going to be already, you know, six. Now, I of don't us. like you spending all of this time. Listen, with we're these other people. Uh, like I said, I like I said in the last episode, I like to keep things in this, you know, in orderly, mm-hmm. like you know, routine. And we typically we like to do game nights with uh, with some couples. Right. Yeah, Listen, just, I'm going to send some 
some articles to you on best friends <laughs> and what they're, how they're supposed to treat each we're other. Still, we're, feel... we're still close. Why, yeah. How is this not mm-hmm. even close? You, okay, okay, you're telling me you would play a game with me. Yeah. I have invited you over and I have nope. I have floated the idea. You've never invited of a, me over to a game okay. that was scheduled. Never Fine. happened. I have floated. Oh, yeah, because I tried scheduling it with you. Here's the thing. When I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, they would say, all right, everybody, we're playing volleyball today in gym class. And I would always play. Now, when the ball came to me, I would kick it, and uh, or <laughs> tennis. When the ball would come to me, I would hit it over the fence and then be like, "Go get it!" Yeah. Um, so I still played. Mm-hmm. I just had to play by my own rules. See, that's just it. But the, even when I float the idea of like, "Hey, man, you want to do a game night?" You're like, "Nah, nah." I have floated the idea in the past. I would do it. Oh, now you would. I oh. would do it. <gasps> that's cute. If I got an invite, that is so cute. I just so listen. Fact, I know. I know. Allison's listening. Hey, Allison. So the fact. Try inviting me so sometime. The fact that. Uh, now you sense, you. Why do you sense competition? I don't sense competition. I sense betrayal. Oh, how? How? You were, you were listen. I thought that we were exclusive, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, it doesn't really just... matter. Why don't we just talk about something that matters? What do you mean? I'm just saying you don't. Yeah, uh, Joe. If, Nobody cares about this. Okay, Nobody do, you, cares. Do, do you want to play tonight? What time? Uh, what time works for you? We're open. Ten thirty p.m. You know That's what? That actually works great because all the kids will be in bed. All right. Mm-hmm. Send me a little invite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like how you chose a time. No, because you don't want to. You just no, want I do. To I think it'd be great. Be right. All right, eight eight o'clock. Okay, send me an invite. If eight I o'clock. On, I will. Okay. See. <laughs> hmm. What are we talking about today? Well, Joe, we're going to be talking about the sixteen eighty nine. We're still in uh, chapter twenty six. On and the we're church at paragraphs eight and nine. Can read, I go ahead and read eight? Read chapter twenty six, paragraph eight, please. Here we go. A particular church, gathered and completely organized according to the mind of Christ, consists of officers and members, and the officers appointed by Christ to be chosen and set apart by the church, so called and gathered, for the peculiar administration of ordinances and execution of power or duty, which he entrusts them with or calls them to, to be continued to the end of the world, are bishops or elders and deacons. Mm-hmm. Mm. So big picture. A local church yep. has officers and members. There you go. You got to have both. Got to do both. Can't have, if you don't have both, you don't have a proper church. That's right. Like like, like what? Like Mars Hill. Remember? Well, no, they had spiritual members. <laughs> the only they they members, only had three members. They had three members, I think something like that, constituting the actual church, which was just a few executive leaders who were able to yeah. call all of the shots. So as Baptists, obviously, we think that's uh, that's whack. That's crazy. It's um, wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, Got to have members and officers. So when we're talking about members, Jimmy, what do we mean by members? We've talked a lot about membership in the past, so we're not going to rehash everything, but yeah. what do we mean? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about those that have they've covenanted right they've mm-hmm. covenanted together they've uh, declared that they want to be part of this body and, and so they covenant that we are going to work together mm-hmm. for uh the building of the body yep. as well as the mission of the church the cause of christ to, right. to reach out to our community so there's a sense in which like members are recognized as participating covenanting committed whatever you want to say um individuals yeah it's like you know you, you're you're married you yes. covenant that it's just that we're in this together. Right? Us too. Us too. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, it's kind of the, unless you're this, in Utah. Unless you're in Utah, <laughs> it's gonna be us four. <laughs> what is with you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What's the limit on that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's. I don't think it. I don't think there's a limit. I don't think there's like you know like those uh, express aisles only fifteen. I don't think it's like that. I think it's like you can have as many as you want. Gotcha. Something like that. So, but here it's like we're actually taking that step. 
uh, to declare that we are committed to each other. You can just Google church membership for us on our website, not Google, search church membership on our website, and we will, uh, you'll see the things that we've written and said on that before. So we got members, right? Uh, and it, what we say in the past is, 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 is church membership, the way that we do it, a biblical thing? And then what we've said in the past is, church membership is a way of doing a biblical thing. Yeah. And so it's how you recognize who is in and who is not a part of a local church. So Yeah, it's like who how who you recognize, you know, who gets an invite to game night and who doesn't. I'm a member, so I guess I'm getting an invitation. Well, just well we have we have a yeah. there's a, I'm a, a founding member, member yeah. There's a membership within. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a membership within there's a spiritual Israel within national Israel is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So we got our members. Then we also have our officers, deacons and elders. So Jimmy, deacons. Mm. Yeah. What do they do? They, they serve the body, right? Right. Uh, they're like, a lot of ways, like their hands, right? Like their hands on, their um, Or their feet. They can be feet. They can be feet. I don't want to be a foot. <laughs> I'll be a hand before my foot. <laughs> but no, they, they've got this, this servant heart. They want to serve the body of Christ. They mm-hmm. want to serve the physical needs of, of the people uh, through benevolence or through mm-hmm. other mercy ministries. They, right. uh, they want to serve the body so that they uh, could could one physically be encouraged but then also even spiritually so they serve on sundays and things of that regard to so that as as they're worshiping uh they're cared for yeah that's good we talk about deacons who um and for us that's men and women they don't have the authority of elders they're not pastors (laughs) these deacons are servants to the church like jimmy said you gone done it and they wind up serving as kind of leaders in the church, yeah. but they, they demonstrate their leadership by serving in various capacities. And for us, that means that they um, they are re- held responsible for maintaining specific ministries that meet the needs of the body. And this is everything from elder, like they'll, like we have two, two deacons that are really focused on uh, checking in on the elderly. Of course, the elders check in on all of the bodies, but they have a particular burden and a gift for working with seniors. So there's that. Maybe there are peop- other deacons are maintaining um, you know, the ordinances and how those are set up and carried out mm-hmm. or prison ministry or whatever. There's all kinds of things. So they're serving the needs of the body. We see this developing in Acts chapter 6, for example. Now, if the deacons are serving the body, elders are essentially leading the body. Yeah. Um, and so this um, the different ways in which elders might lead. And so maybe we could talk about a few different ways in which elders are serving, right? They serve by leading, by the ministry of the word, ministry of prayer, caring for the body, things like that. So overall, big picture leading, what does the scripture have to say about that? Yeah, First uh, Timothy five seventeen. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So, uh, the, the so the ministry of the word there, right? The individuals, the the elders are charged with uh, the with the edification of the body, right? Like right. as as the word is being proclaimed, right? Uh, the the preaching of God's word to God's people. So. That's in one way that they lead the the I guess the spiritual health. Would you say it? Yeah. Would yeah. you say it like that? And we'll get to the the actual ministry of the word in, in a second. But like what you're what you're what you see here is that uh, ruling, right? Uh, leading and not mm-hmm. ruling, not with an iron fist, not calling all of the shots. We're congregationalists, so ultimately we think the elders answer to the congregation. But uh, clearly, this idea of ruling, or in First Peter chapter five. Right. Um, where it says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock that is among you 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So here we've got these ideas of shepherding the flock and exercising oversight, yeah. ruling. Yeah. The elders are tasked with the responsibility of leading the church. Now, people talk about this in different ways, right? Obviously, Jimmy, you were talking about preaching. There's uh, casting vision, which I know we've, we have a whole episode on that. People think that that's a, some of our Reformed friends think that that's a little nutty, but all that that simply means is keeping the mission of the church before the eyes of yep. the people. Yep. So leading the church in general, but let's talk about what you started to talk about, the ministry of the word, like in Second Timothy chapter four, verse two, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, repute, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with mm. complete patience and teaching. So the ministry of the word is going to be primary for elders. They've got to be able to interpret, rightly understand, teach, and apply this in different ways, right? Whether that's exhortation, encouragement, or rebuke. But the idea that this is done with complete patience and teaching, right? That the re you can't be an elder at, or a shepherd of the flock and be impatient because we are all slow to learn. We are all there's a there's a there's a slow progression that we make by God's grace and sanctification and in spiritual formation. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. If it did, um, we you know, our the job would be very very easy. Mm -hmm. But this idea of the the primacy of the ministry of the word and the place of scripture in the role of elders um, has to be recognized because. It's too easy to make it something else. It's about decision making or managing uh, businesses or whatever it is. Those things are ultimately secondary to this primary idea. Mm. Uh, Titus 1 9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound mm. doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So, you know, essentially, Joe, we're talking about. Uh, the elders are, are called to teach the truth, right? Right, right. Uh, unashamed unabashedly, right? Don't Teach apologize for Don't it. apologize, but at the same time, refute error, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so making sure it's not just sound, but those who are contradicting it, rebuke those. And that's something that you see throughout the pastoral epistles, right? There's, we could use a, share a ton of scriptures about that, about the, the job of elders or pastors or bishops or overseers to confront the error, you know, straight on and say, this is wrong and this is why, and this is what the word of God actually says. Yeah. So a part of it is protecting the body from false doctrine with when you're dealing with the ministry of the word. Well, in Acts chapter six, verse four, we read about a combination of the ministry of the word, but also prayer. Mm. Um, in the development of these deacons that were needed, they were needed so that the elders could devote themselves to prayer yeah. and to the ministry of the word. So I think this is probably the easiest thing for elders to overlook because oh, you think so? Things got to get done. Mm. Right? Th things got to get done. They, they kind of get focused on the administrative aspect mm -hmm. of the church. Yeah, I oh, think okay. it's really common. I think, okay, so it's easy to focus on teaching and preaching, and then it's easy to focus on who's in trouble and how do we help them or um, what are the issues that we have, what are the problems that we have to solve, right? We yeah. have problems yeah. come up in every church. We got problems that come up in our church. And we have very gifted problem solving elders. But if we're not committing ourselves to the ministry of prayer, both in our private lives and our private ministries and then in our, our corporate ministry together as elders, then we're, we're going to lack um, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We're not going to be, not only are we not going to be pleading with God to do what we need Him to do, what only He can do, uh, we see in Scripture that the reason that God oftentimes isn't acting is because we're not asking, yeah. right, in James. Yeah, yeah. So the ministry of the prayer is going to be paramount. And I'm very grateful that the elders at Redeemer are a prayerful group of mm. men. They love the Lord, they love the people, and they are all about it. And I can even, even last night as we were meeting 
on Zoom and talking, you know, as, as certain things were coming up, you could you, you could even hear like Pastor Brian was was starting to break, uh, you know, yeah. as we know about certain needs and, and concerns that were coming about the body. Yeah, and, yeah. and that breaking is heartfelt and that leads to a real dependency on God in prayer. Got to have the ministry of the prayer. That's one of the things elders are called. So, to Joe, uh, real fast, I, I want to touch on this again, or at least ask you for your thoughts on this. As someone, as you mentioned, you know, for a lot of pastors, this is this is something that can be easily overlooked in the midst right. of, of, you know, all the administration of the church and all the other uh, concerns of the church. How have you found as a full-time pastoral staff, and even I think this is definitely useful for uh, other, other elders that are not uh, vocational, mm-hmm. How do you, how do you maintain that, right? Like, how do you, how do you maintain that that ministry of prayer that we're called to? I don't know how everybody's different, right? But for me, it doesn't happen unless I um, two things. One, I have to schedule it, okay, and I need to be responsive to needs. So, on the one hand, uh, there are just there are specific times each day when I know this is when I'm praying. Um, I've 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 got to set apart time to actually give myself to praying for the body and for praying for the people um, that are in need specifically, as well as the church generally. So schedule is important. I know you're a big guy on discipline and schedule. That, mm-hmm. That's critically important. If I schedule it, I'll do it then. And then I've always found if I follow the discipline, I'm more likely to continue praying throughout the day. Yeah, um, yeah. And that helps me to be responsive, right? That's the second way. Uh, when I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them, I do pray for them. I don't say it unless I intend to do it. And the way that I carry that out is the moment we break free from that particular situation, I pray immediately then, mm. and then I'm more likely to follow it up later. Otherwise, I'll, I'll forget it. So if I say to somebody in a text, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Um, if I say I've been praying for you, it means I've been praying for you. If I say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you, uh, as soon as I send that, I pray right then and responsively, uh, and then I tend to follow it up. Yeah, that's encouraging. It's also a good idea to just write it down, right? Yeah, you know, some yeah. people will carry a field notes journal in their pocket. Some people will use a, a note-taking device on their phone. But write down the things that you need to pray about. And I have found in the past that it's good to organize it, right? So sometimes, and I'm not doing that right now, but in the past, I've done it where it would be Monday, I'm praying for these particular categories of needs. Uh, Tuesday, these needs, and I'll do that Monday through Friday. So by Friday, typically what I'm doing is, is I'm praying for organizations, denominations, uh, other churches, things like that. Um, but then Monday through um, Friday, I'm scheduling different sorts. Either it's I'm, I'm dividing up the body or I am addressing particular needs, uh, physical needs, uh, health concerns, things like that, um, and others as, as we go throughout the week. So whatever it takes, structure, organization, and then be, be responsive. So when we're talking about, you know, what pastors do, we talk about leading and the ministry of the word yeah. and the ministry of prayer, but fundamentally what we wind up talking a lot about is shepherding and caring for the people. Um, that's sometimes another thing that gets left behind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It gets Kirk Cameron. You get, <laughs> 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 so, um, how, how do how do we explain that to people? What does it mean to care for the body or to shepherd the flock? Yeah, I think what we're talking about there uh, is one uh, exhortation, right? Second right. Timothy three fourteen and seventeen. Uh, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which you are able to make 
which are able to make you wise for salvation through mm-hmm. faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what we're talking about is how we're caring for people and uh, uh, exhorting them, right? Mm-hmm. Exhorting them to continue in the faith, to right. hold fast to these truths that that we hold dear, uh, to walk in a manner worthy uh, uh, of their calling. That, that idea of caring for the body, shepherding people, can't really be divorced from exhortation. Um, I, I think that, you know, fundamentally what we're trying to do is to help people follow Christ in the various stages of their life, yeah. the various um, controversies, conflicts uh, that they're going through. And so that requires that we actually know the people, mm. know what they're going through, mm. love them and care for them, and then are able to biblically, with wisdom, instruct them in the way that they are supposed to go. And so uh, some people think of like, well, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to care for the body and shepherd the flock, it doesn't mean you're holding their hands. Well, sometimes it means, yes, you have to literally hold their hands. Yeah, yeah. As a pastor, I have, uh, like Jimmy has, like we've had to literally hold people's hands as they're suffering, as they're in fear. I have to lay hands on people to pray for them. I've mourned with families as they've lost their children. I've held a dead child in my arms with a family that lost a child. Like sometimes it's that hands on. But even then, what we're trying to do is is support them, love them, grieve with them, rejoice with them, pray with them. And as the opportunity is given, uh, we exhort them. We show them how, how do we get through this? How do we see God in the midst of what we're going through? And what would God have them do now in response? And it also relates to you know, just those who are sometimes sick, right? I mean, it's, mm. it's, a, it's a popular passage, James 5.14. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You know, this is something that we do when we find out that someone is sick. And I'll be honest, people don't always tell us when they're sick. Most people don't tell us. We yeah, find yeah, out, yeah. we're like, hey, dummy, you're supposed to tell us. Let us know. We love you. We, we want, want to pray for you. Yeah, we want to come visit and see how you're doing. Yeah. And so we'll do that. We'll go over, we'll gather around and we've prayed for people with various illnesses and sicknesses. And and we've seen God bring people through that. And we've seen other people have to suffer long periods of time. Um, but that is something that we that we actually do, right, mm. um, in, in all of this. But let's talk about the ordinances. There's, there's that phrase in there in the confession, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Where it says what? Uh, for the peculiar administration of ordinances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Baptism in the Lord's Supper. Yep. Yeah. So we in the Reformed tradition believe that these elements need to be administrated by, overseen by the elders of the church. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And we kind of touched on that in the last episode. We did. We did. So, Jimmy, though we believe that, we also allow the actual immersion of an individual to be done by someone other than an elder, don't we, here at Redeemer? Yeah, and I think part of that's because we we still believe and we still see that this baptism, uh, it's happening in front of the local church under the authority of, uh, of the pastoral staff, of the elders and leaders of the church. So people aren't, you know, baptizing people willy-nilly. Oh, all willy-nilly like that. Yeah. Doing willy-nilly. Yeah, people uh, aren't just saying, hey, let's go to the Fox River and, and or here's my hot tub. You know, uh, our ministry assistant, her son, Taylor was baptized in the Fox River. Ah, ew, ew. That, that thing, yeah, Taylor, Taylor, bro, bro. <laughs> He's still washing that off. <laughs> that was years and years ago. Um, so yeah, we. I'm not concerned about who's doing the dunking as much as how is it done, when yeah. is it done, and who is overseeing the whole. 
So um, if, if you want us to get into the, the, the Lord's Supper stuff, listen to our last episode. We yeah. talked about it there. And we have a number of episodes where we mm. talk about it. So you can just you know, go on over to drvotion.com. We've got that search feature. You can just put in Lord's Supper, communion, mm. and you're going to get all of our episodes and some articles that we have uh, surrounding that subject. Right. Now, um, you know, Alexander Strzok wrote a book on, on elders, and it's one of the things that you know, we have our, our elders do. Is, is read Strzok on this stuff, but uh, he says it summarily like this. In biblical terminology, elders shepherd, oversee, lead, and care for the local church. And I think that's a really good way yeah. yep. of, of stating it. And one of the ways that the pastors, like your, your pastors, one of the primary ways they should be shepherding you is by encouraging you to check out the Doctrine and Devotion Annual <laughs> Conference, September 18th and 19th, 2020, after this coronavirus nuttiness yeah. eases up. In St. Charles, Illinois, we are going to have a conference on covenant theology, God's promises for God's people. With mm. who? Who's oh. going to be doing the talking? You know who it's going to be. It's going to be Sam, the man, Renahan. Dr. Sam. And he's going to be joined by uh, Joey and myself, and we're going to be walking through the biblical covenant covenants between God and his people. Uh, you, for more details or to register, you want to head on over to drvotion.com slash conference mm -hmm. and get on it. You know, early registrants are going to get the the the, the new book that Sam just wrote. And it's, uh, what? Yeah, it's Dr. Sam, Green Eggs and Ham. It's oh, going to be For a moment, edition. I was like, oh, really? No, no, there's nothing. Man, no, no, gosh, no. not yet, but goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you actually had me there. Like I was, I was like, man, I didn't hear about this. Nah, no, nobody has. <laughs> not even not even Dr. Renahan. Not even Dr. Renahan heard about it. Well, let's keep going with the 1689. We'll, we'll, we have time to get into paragraph nine here a little bit. Yep. Uh, let's see. The way appointed by Christ for the calling of any person fitted and gifted by the Holy Spirit unto the office of bishop or elder in a church is that he be chosen thereunto by the common suffrage of the church itself and solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer with imposition of hands on the eldership or sorry, hands of the eldership of the church, if there be any before constituted therein, and of a deacon that he be chosen by the like suffrage and set apart by prayer and the like imposition of hands. Okay, so elders and deacons need to be appointed by the church yes. um, to this ministry. And it says in there, if you already have elders, then they're going to lay on hands for mm -hmm. this. But if you don't have elders and you're appointing elders, and this is how it begins. So let's talk a little bit about the qualifications, Jimmy. Qualifications yeah, let's do for it. elders and deacons. What's the primary place people go? Uh, first, I mean, Timothy. First Timothy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're looking at it, you're looking at verses 1 through 13. But for now, let's let's look at 1 to 7. Elders. Elders. Uh, the saying is trust, trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. I choked. Better not. Don't you it's dare. Not, it's not Corona. Self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must, he must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, I think we've actually gone through the qualifications. We have gone through. We, we have an episode uh, on this as well. Yep. So search for that um, where we walk through it. But 
it's not just that uh, anybody can be an elder yeah. uh, in a local church to be an elder. Now, and we're complementarians, right? So to, you, it, it's not just that men are elders. It's qualified That's men right. That's right. who are called by the church can serve as elders. And so these qualifications are important. Now, nobody meets these qualifications in a perfect sense, but these tend to be true of the elder. These are these are demonstrably true. Yep. Yep. It doesn't mean that he doesn't sin. Uh, it doesn't mean that he doesn't make a mistake. Um, it doesn't mean that he isn't ever uh, proud, but it means that when you look at his life, you can't say this is so true of him that he should not serve yeah, as an elder yeah. in that position. And the deacon's qualifications are actually very, very similar in verses 8 through 13 of 1 Timothy 3. Deacons likewise must be dignified, yeah. not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves mm. blameless. Now, this is why we actually believe that men and women, one of the reasons we believe men and women can serve as deacons. It says their wives, which is not what it says in the Greek ESV. You blew it here. Um, <laughs> their wives, says, it says women, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Very much the same qualifications, almost identical really, except they're not called to be apt to teach. Yeah. You don't have to be apt. Now, many deacons can teach and preach and they do a great job. One of our deacons, Dan Salufus. Oh, yeah. Genius oh, level. Oh, my goodness. Genius yep. level brain on this guy. Super smart. In fact, you can find uh, at least one of his articles on monergism. Um, yeah, so, and our and our and on our website. Yeah, well, they, they pulled it from us. So, yeah, it's going to be on us. So, <laughs> monergism, too. But... Um, so, yeah, these qualifications have to be in place. So they have to be qualified to serve, but then they have to be called or set apart by the church. Yeah, Acts 14, 23, uh, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the local church, mm. uh, each local church, and I find this, okay, so yeah, every, every local church should have officers, right? And they mm -hmm. set them apart. Uh, and so I, I struggle, like when I, I have individuals that contact me and they're talking through the idea of eldership and how the church plant after seven years has no no officers, right? Right. And there's no, you know, no accountability. There's no membership. There's uh, the the pastor, quote, uh, is in charge of the finances. And I'm just like, I would not be part of that church. No, it's dangerous. Yeah, they come to them and say, hey, can you just sign this, like, sign this check for me? It's like, no, don't sign, don't, don't sign anything. You know, like, don't, don't sign anything. I can't sign checks at the church. That's, you know, we just try to keep that separate. But, and, and this is the thing, like the, the, the two common mistakes are uh, with a church plant, they're too quick to appoint leaders because yep. they need them so yep. badly and they'll put people in they'll there put that anyone. aren't ready, yep. aren't tested. And that comes back to bring a lot of destruction to the church. Other times they're so slow to do it that there isn't any built in indigenous, uh, accountability yep. and help. And so you've, you've got to work at it to make sure. And after, listen, seven years, that should be enough time for you to have discipled people and raised them up for the congregation mm -hmm. to go, that person would serve as a good elder. At Redeemer, we have a, we have what, 300 and let's just say we average 320. I don't know what it yeah, was. Yeah, it's actually 350, but Before yeah. the coronavirus. Um, if, if that's the case, uh, we definitely have a ton of people that could serve as elders and deacons yep. in our church. Absolutely. Now, we don't, we don't need everybody. We, it, that would be unwieldy. 
So when we finally do get to the place where it's time to bring on other officers, those people are presented to the congregation and the people are thrilled because they they can see, they know these people like, oh, yeah. that person's going to do great. We, mm-hmm. we know them. We love them. So let's talk a little bit and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. How do we go about establishing elders and deacons at Redeemer? Yeah, I mean, uh, so as Joe said, so we have a very front end of all this, very front end. Uh, there's a need. Yeah. Right. Uh, we see that there's a need within the eldership or within the church. Uh, so recently, you know, we saw, hey, uh, there's there's a need with the workload is is substantial. Uh, the elders are overtaxed. Uh, it's it's just we can't bear anymore. And so to better care for the body, to care for our people, we knew we need to bring on more elders uh, specifically those that are gifted in certain areas, one for administration, the other uh, more shepherding as far as like uh, counseling, pastoral. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, pastoral, I guess pastoral care, I think is is, sure. is a good way to put that. Uh, and so we prayed and we prayed. And like Joe said, we have plenty of individuals that uh, could serve as elders, but we were led uh, to look at two individuals specifically, right? Kevin and Chris. Right. Um, and why so, them Why them and not others? If we have, say, 10 other guys that could serve as elders, why were those two chosen to be uh, presented to the congregation yeah. rather than some, somebody else? So a uh, number of reasons. One, uh, they, they had the gift sets that would fit what we're needing for to shepherd and care for the body better. Uh, two, they've been here for a while. Mm-hmm. They've been here. We've seen them. Uh, they've been tested. Um, you know, we've uh, interacted with them. They three believe in the mission and vision of Redeemer. Right. Uh, they understand it. They're not looking to come in and change everything uh, for no apparent reason. Now, when things need to be changed, they able, they're able to, and they have highlighted a couple areas to, mm-hmm. to help strengthen us. Um, but it's not like this wholesale change. Four, uh, they mesh well. They mesh well with the current team. Um, and that doesn't mean we have to only have our friends or people, you know, that we're close to, but it does mean you want to have unity within, within that board, right? Right. Uh, a relational unity was already there and established where you can say the hard things in love, uh, and not fear that the relationship would diminish. Both of those guys have, have said, you know, have offered helpful criticism, Mm -hmm. say, Hey, this is an area where I think you guys because they're not elders yet so they're addressing us as as the elders and they're saying you need to you need to think about changing this this is not healthy or this is not working well yep. um and so that's great so the unity that that Jimmy's talking about it has more to do with they they understand and value not just the confessional identity of the church but the overall culture that's been developed yep. and where it needs to be improved and strengthened they can identify it that's and right. where it's good and healthy they absolutely see that and then five uh they love the body like they they have this uh demonstrable love Mm -hmm. that they've already shown uh, and people know that they've embraced Mm -hmm. it they've seen it they felt it um and and so they've experienced that love from them and so we want elders that do care for the individuals within our church that's not to say others don't but i'm just saying that's one of the things that we look and say do they have a love for god's people and yes these two individuals absolutely have a love and six, I'm surprising you with this one. Oh, um, oh, they're actually willing and able. So, like, yeah. we've approached people before and said, "Hey, you meet the qualifications of an elder. Um, we see that the elders see that. Uh, we would love to talk to you about potentially coming on as an elder candidate." 
Um, and we've had people say, I, I would love to, but I can't right now. Yeah, in and the then, last round, we, yep. we were looking at three individuals. Mm -hmm. I don't need to say the third. Uh, but yeah, we were hoping for three, but one of them just not able to at this time right. in their life stage. And so that's totally normal. So really what, what happens is, is, the, is you know, people... Obviously, anytime they want, the congregation can, and they have said to us, hey, you should consider this person as a potential deacon or an elder. Um, and so, and of course, they could bring that up at a, at a meeting if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. But um, but to, we hear back from that. We're keeping our eyes open. We identify people, like Jimmy said, who meet the qualifications, who share the vision, who have the gift set that's going to balance out where we're weak as a team, uh, either on the elders or the deacons. And we approach them, we interview them, we talk to their wives. Uh, if they're ready to go and become an elder candidate, we then present and that we tell them what it's going to entail. Yeah, we then yeah. present them to the church so that they, the church knows these are now candidates. They're not elders or deacons. They're candidates. And we will be uh, training them. And at the end of their training, they will be presented to the body for a vote. And um, so the congregation is ultimately going to set them apart mm -hmm. for this work. And during that time, uh, we're encouraging uh, the congregation to be praying for them mm -hmm. and to be talking to them. Like, if you've got any concerns, please obviously bring it to them, but bring it to us as yeah. well. Uh, so that maybe you're seeing something or you know something that we're missing. Please yeah. let us know. Right. And so they're, you know, they're with us in the elders meetings. They're offering input inside. They're, they're given ta tasks and responsibilities. And, uh, and they're, they're put up front a lot more so that people can see them. And uh, at the end of that time, if we're satisfied, they have to write a paper as well. Remember, Jimmy, if, you've been, if you're a long-time listener, Jimmy's long-running <sighs> elder candidacy. Uh, the, the, not the longest. Not, not the longest. Mm -hmm. Nope, nope. We've got somebody else taking care of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, so after, after Jimmy, you know, he had to finish his paper. That was the last thing. We have our, another candidate who's working on his paper right now as well. And it's a, it's a, it's a robust paper. It's not, a, it's not a, something you can just whip up. And once they do that, then, then we read that. If the elders are good with that, there's an oral exam. And the congregation is invited to that. And there's a public oral exam. After that, they are presented to the body for a vote. Mm. And then the church will vote, yes, we're good, or no, we're not. And hopefully, we've given enough time. There's lots of opportunity for feedback. It doesn't get to the point where there would have to be a no vote. Yeah. And so far, there hasn't been, not in 13 years. Praise God. People vote unanimously, yes, we're, we're for this. And um, the process has worked well for us. Same goes for deacons and deaconesses. If you want to parse it out that way, um, there's a training. It's, it's, it's a shorter window of time. And, um, and those people are tasked with specific responsibilities or they will develop additional responsibilities as, as they see needs arising in the body, a la Acts chapter 6. That's how we do it. Um, there are other ways to do it. There might be better ways to do it, but that's how we've been trying to get it done here at Redeemer because we really do value the church, the, not just the church universal, but yeah. the local church, the one that God has called us to covenant with and to give our lives to. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrDevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Later. Later.